Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for summer. We thank you that you always start new. We thank you that as we begin this morning, as we try to listen to your words, I pray that these words would be your words and not mine, that they would touch the hearts of your people and that they may receive them fully just as you were speaking to them. In your name we pray. Amen. So listen, this morning we have a story where Paul is confronted. Does he listen to the Lord's voice or does he listen to others? And I think some of us have been confronted with that as well in our lives. That maybe we've heard something from the Lord or we think it could be from the Lord. But then we've got a whole myriad of other voices coming in that seem to conflict with what we think we're hearing from the Lord. Then we've got a problem, right? The problem is, do I do what I think the Lord wants me to do, or do I do what my best friend is telling me to do? Do I do what I think the Lord is telling me to do, or do I do what my dad is telling me to do? Do I do what the Lord is telling me to do, or do I do what I want to do? Sometimes the voice is ours, right? So what voice is the loudest? God's voice or the many other voices out there? This is, or these are the questions I want you to be asking yourself as we listen to this story. young man sat on a windowsill and soon became very sleepy. Eventually he went to sleep and slid out of the window, falling to the ground. People rushed down only to find him dead. Paul took the body and hugged it tightly. He finally looked up and said, the young man is alive. Everyone rejoiced and together went back up the stairs. They continued their fellowship until dawn when Paul left on his trip to Jerusalem. They took the young man to his house, still rejoicing that he was alive. Paul sailed to the town near Ephesus, and the elders of the Ephesus church went there to meet with him. He took them. My life has been an open book to you. Nothing was hid. We suffered persecution together, but through it all, I was able to explain the gospel to everyone in this region. Now I am leaving you and going to Jerusalem, and you'll never see me again. The Spirit of God has made it clear that I will suffer for the Lord in Jerusalem. I'll accept this because I want to fulfill God's calling on my life. Paul encouraged them to live for the Lord and be true to Him. Afterwards, they all knelt down and prayed together. The entire group cried and embraced Paul. They grieved over the words, You will never see me again. As he continued on his way to Jerusalem, the ship stopped at the city of Tyra so it could unload cargo. This gave Paul a chance to stay with a group of believers for the few days. They said to him, 
the Spirit of God, God told us that you will suffer greater trials in Jerusalem. When it was time for him to leave, the entire church walked with Paul out of the city and down to the shore. They knelt on the beach and prayed together. He then got on board the ship and left. The ship docked at Caesarea, the nearest port to Jerusalem. Paul stayed in the home of Philip, one of the original seven deacons. While he was there, a prophet took Paul's belt and tied his own hands and feet. He said, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and delivers him to the Gentiles. Everyone was concerned and begged Paul not to go to Jerusalem. He said, please stop, your crying is starting to make me cry. I'm ready to be put in chains for the Lord. I'm ready to die for him. After a few days, Paul went to Jerusalem. The Christians there received him with joy. So Paul's been on one mission ever since Jesus first spoke to him and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? From that point on, the man who was called Saul became Paul, and his mission was to make sure that people would understand and believe in Jesus. Then he built the family of God. So from place to place, even in the story, we hear him. When he stopped, he saw it as an opportunity to again encourage the believers and then share the story of Jesus with those who don't know him. He was on one mission. He had built many churches. He had started many churches at this point in the story. He had gone to many places. He had been on other missionary journeys. But he held fast to one mission. And no matter what came his way, he was able to hold on to that because he would always remember who Jesus was. And we hear this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. Let me now remind you, dear brothers and sisters, of the good news I preached to you before. You welcomed it then, and then you stand firm in it. It is this good news that saves you if you continue to believe the message I told you, unless, of course, you believe something that was never true in the first place. I passed on to you what was the most important and what had been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen by Peter and then by the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James and later by all the apostles. Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. For I am the least of all apostles. In fact, I am not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted God's church. But whatever I am now, it is all because God poured out his special favor on me and not without results. For I have worked harder than any of the other apostles Yet it was not I, but God who is working through me by his grace. So it makes no difference whether I preach or they preach. For we all preach the same message you have already believed. He held fast to this because he listened. God had spoken directly to him. He had actually heard the voice of Jesus. 
Now, he also heard stories as we look at this 1 Corinthians passage. He'd also had other things passed to him because he didn't walk with Jesus the whole time Jesus was on the earth. That was, he was born, he even said, at the wrong time. And so he had to receive information about the life of Jesus and what Jesus did from the other apostles. So he heard the voice of Jesus. He then heard from other people who saw Jesus rise from the dead that, yeah, Jesus really did rise from the dead. And in fact, some of them were still alive, so he almost prompts those who would be hearing this message or reading this letter for the very first time, go talk to them. Because their testimony is true. So he heard God's voice. Then others shared the message to him also. He wrote or he read what was written in Scripture. And somewhere inside, he was compelled to stay true to this, miss this one mission. Now, when I think about this, do you ever struggle hearing the voice of God? How many of you struggle hearing the voice of God? Yeah, and we're all in church, right? We're supposed to be the ones that aren't struggling. Or at least that's what the common view is. You're a church goer. You should be able to hear the voice of God. And yet we have a problem with listening. So hearing God's voice, or hearing God's voice for Paul, was through an audible voice. We're going to look at that today. Through possible dreams, which I would call a visual voice. Through the written voice, or God's word, his scripture, the Bible that we read today. That's why we encourage you to read it as many times as possible. In fact, I'm sure if he had an opportunity, he sat by Mark when Mark was writing the gospel of Mark and said, oh, man, I didn't know that one about Jesus. That's a good one. Or, oh, Luke, I don't, that detail is a really good detail. I mean, sometimes we look at these people like Paul and we forget that they're people used by God just like you who heard God's voice. And we also see that he experienced the story of Jesus through the living voice or through others who told the story of who Jesus is, who prophesied to him, who shared God's message. Another way, when I say prophesy, you guys probably start feeling like it's going to be weird. Prophesying is simply speaking for God. It's using God's words and speaking to others. It's what I'm doing right now. So if that weirds you out, you may want to get up and leave, but there's not a lot of people here today, so you got to stay because everyone will see you leave. Prophesying, that's how God speaks to us. A living voice, an audible voice, a visual voice, right? His written voice. We're going to look at that in the story because when we look at how do we hear the voice of God? We have to realize that God cannot be put in a box. That we'll only hear his voice if it comes this way. I see 
our Father in heaven, that if he's willing to send his son to die for us, I'm pretty sure he will use whatever it takes so that we can hear him. And if that means he's got to send you a dream, if that means he's got to show you in Scripture, if that means he's got to take one of your friends and speak through them to you, if it means he has to himself speak to you, he'll do it. Do you believe that? problem with our world is that not only is his voice trying to get through, but we've got a lot of other voices that are hitting us. And in today's story, we see that. And we're going to look at it a little bit deeper. Acts chapter 20, verses 21 through 27. He said, I have had one message for Jews and Greeks alike, the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and having faith in our Lord Jesus. And now I am bound. I want you guys to just kind of highlight that. And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for, the, for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And now I know that none of you to whom I have preached the kingdom will ever see me again. I declare today that I have been faithful. If anyone suffers eternal death, it's not my fault. For I didn't shrink from declaring all that God wants you to know. So he says, I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. So did God use his audible voice to tell Paul this? Did he use his visual voice? Did he use his written voice? What did he use? Well, we don't know. Somewhere in there, he was bound. Did he use his, his living voice? Did other apostles have a dream and say, Paul, I really think you need to go to Jerusalem? How did he tell Paul that he needed to go? Or perhaps there's one more voice, and I would call that the hidden voice. In our culture, we call it your gut. Now, that's hard to declare, right? What part is the Spirit working in me? And what part is it me when you're dealing with your gut? But I believe in this instance, we don't hear the audible. But we hear that in his gut, he was compelled that he must go to Jerusalem. And then he would go there and city after city he would go to, he would suffer. Did you actually, did you hear what I just said? What he heard from the Lord is that he would go from city to city and then he would suffer from city to city. And I say this because sometimes we hear it but we don't listen to it. In fact, I was reading an article a couple days ago about a, a pastor. And this particular pastor doesn't believe in sharing any bad news about who God is. Doesn't believe that 
listening to God's voice would actually also include suffering. But instead, it should be about having a better life. Now, that sounds good, right? I mean, I'm sure a lot of you would wish that I would just talk about better things. I mean, I, I can actually, since we're smaller in number today, I can look around and I can go, I think I've had a conversation with almost all of you where I think you wish I wouldn't have said anything. <laughs> and I'm thinking about David Lefebvre the time that I first met him and he lost his job and I said, well, maybe the Lord wants you to lose your job. Well, he didn't like that news. Sometimes the Lord isn't trying to make you comfortable. Do we want to believe that? Well, I'll tell you, the pastor who preaches about God always wanting to make you comfortable is doing that for a larger following. In fact, in Scripture today, we see that Paul warns his people to be careful of those who would preach something other than what is written so that they could have a large following. That's the struggle. And sometimes when we listen to the Lord's voice, the Lord's voice isn't saying, go make a lot of money and feel good about yourself. Sometimes he's saying, well, you know, Chuck, I'm going to use this example. Sometimes when you are so frustrated and you want to chew out the person that's making you frustrated, he's saying, I don't want you to do anything there. I just want you to talk to me. Pray. Engage me. In fact, I made that person park in front of your driveway so you would actually pray to me. <laughs> that you would represent me today. But that's hard because we don't always like to hear that our life may not be about comfortable, comfortable things, but it may be about suffering. In fact, if we look at Scripture Jesus asked us to follow his disciples. At first he said, follow me, and then he said, follow those after me. And then make more disciples who would follow those disciples, who would follow those disciples, who would follow those disciples. Well, we're many, 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 many disciples removed, but the ones that we're supposed to follow, Peter, look at his life. Paul, look at his life. John, look at his life. Look at the lives of those disciples. Look at the lives of disciples today who don't live in this country, but they live in countries where they will be killed if they say, I believe in Jesus. And somehow in our minds, we are okay that the only message from God we should hear is, you're going to get it. You're going to get this. I'm going to provide you this. I'm going to give you this. And you'll never suffer. See, you guys are already like, 
Man, this is a bummer message, right? But I'm okay with that. Because at Oikos, I want to make real disciples. I don't want to make fake ones. And I don't want to set you up for a life of following Jesus thinking it's all going to be peaches and cream, which I don't even like peaches and cream. But it's a saying, right? Sometimes the Lord is saying, if you stick with me no matter what you face, it's better on the other side. No matter what you face, it's going to be better on the other side. And actually, in the midst of the struggle, you're going to identify that what you thought was destroying you is actually recreating you. It's changing your perspective. It's making you new. And what once made you suffer will no longer make you suffer. In fact, Paul talks about this. I'm totally going off script, guys, so just be prepared. He talks about this in Philippians. That my suffering has brought me great joy. How can he do this? Because he listens to the Lord. And he endures the suffering during the time and he doesn't turn from the Lord. Instead, he listens to the Lord because he believes in the character of his Father who says, I will never forsake you. Even in the midst of great struggle, I will never forsake you. And you will be recreated. Listening is defined like this. Take notice of and act on... I'm back on script. Take notice of and act on what someone says. Respond to advice or request. I love the word listen. The definition. If you're a parent, you should love this. You know how many times you've said something to your child and you go, do you know the definition of listen? It means to act on what I just said. If I told you to be quiet, it means you actually are quiet. <laughs> if I tell you to clean up your room, it means you actually act on cleaning up your room. And that is a great reflection for us, isn't it? Because when the Lord speaks to us and we are asked to listen, we might hear Him, but to actually act on what we heard is a whole different thing. So we go back to the hidden voice. You have this gut feeling. You're supposed to stop and make space for an individual. Speak to them. Encourage them. Love them. It's in your gut. But you go, oh, I don't have time for that. That's hearing, but not listening. Imagine what would shift in your life if we as a people began to listen to the Lord's voice. It involves responding and acting. Paul received a word from the Lord and he responded and acted. His instruction was go to Jerusalem, even though it's probably not good for you. And did he listen? He heard this audible voice, right? Perhaps. An audible voice actually is pretty rare in Scripture. So I'm just going to tell you, don't bank on that one. 
I will tell you, I don't think I've heard an audible voice of God. I don't think I've heard him say, you must do this yet. I haven't heard it, but I absolutely believe that it does occur today because I've heard testimony of people and I really have no reason not to believe them. And because I know that God works in this way. But it's rare. And usually it's in times like, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Well, I don't think any of us want to be Saul, right? Or it may be Peter, get behind me, Satan, right? Directly from Jesus as he's alive. Or it may be Moses in the burning bush, which would be free, is freaky, right? You're just out tending your, your sheep. <laughs> and a voice comes out of the desert. I, that would freak me out. So that's rare, but he also speaks in his visual voice. This may be a dream. So the way I see this oftentimes is if I have a dream about someone, then I begin to ask the question, is this from the Lord asking me to contact them? Or maybe it's a vivid dream. Is this the Lord preparing me for something? Or was it just a really bad meal? Right? That's the hard thing about visual. You're not sure when you have a dream. Is this actually the Lord? I would hope that if we heard his voice, we would go, oh, the Lord just spoke to me. Right? I mean, I think we would. Oh, the Lord spoke to me. I'm going to actually do that one. But a visual, a dream, can sometimes fall into, I'm not sure. But it doesn't mean he's not speaking. In fact, he might be sent something like for one of us would be, I need you to go to Dallas. You see this dream. So like Paul, maybe you had a dream. I need you to go to Jerusalem. You're going to go to Dallas. And they're going to beat you there. So go to Dallas. And at the end of the dream, you'd see this stoplight, and it's flashing green. And you wake up and you go, oh, I'm not going to Dallas. <laughs> but Paul saw this, this is me inference, right? Saw the same dream, and he said, okay, because my life is not my own, so I'll go. If they beat me, then I'm prepared for the beating because in much suffering, I will see much joy. I would guess, because I'm going to speak for myself, we're probably not there. But I'm going to pray that we'll, be, we'll start inching towards that way. That we won't discount all the dreams. Instead, we'll take a moment to reflect on at least a few of them. God's written voice mainly holds fast to who God is, His character, and what He did to save us throughout Scripture. That's what God's, that's the Bible. Just, if you've never read the Bible, I just read it for you. God's character, who he is, and what he did to save us. That's the Bible. All the pages. That's what it's about. But sometimes the Lord uses his word in combination with his other voices, his written voice, to confirm or affirm the direction he wants you to go. So there's a a time 
possibly when you are scared to, mo to go to Dallas to be beat. Then you open up your Bible and it says, this is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now that may compel you to say, I can go to Dallas and be beat. I'm using Dallas because no one likes Dallas in Houston, right? So it's a double whammy. You get beat there and you have to go to Dallas, right? So, wait, if anyone's listening from Dallas or you're from Dallas, I'm sorry. Not that you're from there. I'm sorry, okay. If you hear these words, if you open up your Bible and see this, it may encourage you. I believe 100% that is the Spirit working at that time. It's not you just opening up the page. It's the Spirit of the Lord working to compel you to do what He's asking you to do. This happened to me, so this one I can speak about. I haven't actually heard the voice of the Lord, I don't think, but this did happen. When I was in seminary, and some of you have heard this story, but when I was in seminary, I was conflicted. Basically, and those of you who have kids in college, or have had kids in college, or went to college, or didn't go to college, but you still didn't know what you're going to do, well, that was me. I went to college, I was going to get an art degree, then I moved from an art degree to, well, I was going to do something for the church, and then I moved from doing something to the church that I wanted to be a youth minister in the church, still for the church. Then I was going to do teaching, and then I moved back to youth ministry, and then I decided, well, I'd just take some more summer school so I can combine it all in one, and hopefully out of all that, I would get a job, because my mom said the most important thing is get a job. I graduated, and my mom thought I was going to get a job, and then I decided to be a missionary, and I had to raise my own money, so I really didn't get a job in her mind, and I spent two years being a missionary, then I went to seminary, because after I got a job as a youth minister, which is what I went to school for, I decided I should be a pastor. Do you see, there's a little bit of my poor mom. Actually, when I think about this, man, that was eight years of her just going, is the boy ever going to get a job? <laughs> I think she still thinks that. So, <laughs> I'm in seminary, and this discontentment arises in my heart. I hadn't met my, my Sarah. I thought I was going to be alone. I was single, and I was thinking, I don't Boy, this is really going to be, <laughs> I've never shared this one. I was thinking, I'm a single pastor, and I don't want to go to one of those churches where they set you up with all the ugly girls. <laughs> I just tell you what I was thinking. I needed to repent, but that's what I was thinking. And so I thought, I don't think I should be a pastor. I... Maybe I should. And so I was pausing. I was thinking, I don't think I should be doing this. And I was at a retreat to be spiritually renewed at this time. And all of a sudden, it all came crashing down. And I was like, I am not supposed to do this. I am not intended for ministry. And so I went and I thought, well, I'm going to read the Bible. 
and Lord, I need, your, I need to hear something from you. So I open up the Bible, and I've told you guys, a few of you, this before, and I opened up to Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 61, and I read, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger is against their enemies. Now this is about Jesus, but for me this was the affirmation that the Lord himself was speaking and saying, you may not think you're going to do this. You may think you can't do this. You may think you're not prepared to do this, but I have anointed you to do this. And that was with all humbleness. And from that, I shut the Bible, and I said, fine. I mean, my response wasn't that great. I mean, I was still worried about having to marry an ugly girl. <laughs> the Lord spoke and said, move forward. So I did. Sometimes, very often, the Lord speaks also through a living voice. Not just through the written voice, but through your friends. Through others who follow him. He sends them at the right time, at the right moment, to say a word to you that maybe you'll receive with gladness or with brokenness. But he is using his person to speak directly to you. For me, this directly is part of the second part of the story that we heard today. Because we hear that Paul, as he is heading to Jerusalem, committed to do it, the Lord says, sends a confirmation message to him that that is exactly what he's supposed to do. It was received differently by Paul than it was by the people. This is in Acts chapter 21, verses 10 through 14. Several days later, a, name, a guy or a, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. His name, you know what I'm going to have to do? Here's transparency. Pretty soon you're going to start seeing me with reading glasses because my eyes are going out of here. I cannot read anything. <laughs> he came over and I broke my other iPad, which is larger, so I had to use this mini. It's not working as well. Oh, you have it. Thank you. It is much better. <laughs> he came over, took Paul's belt, and bound his own feet and hands with it. Then he said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the power, the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers all begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem, but he said, why all this weeping? You are breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. When it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. So Agabus, he, pre he presents an accurate message. 
he basically affirms exactly what Paul had said the Spirit had compelled him to do. But again, when you're listening to the Lord, those who heard this said, no, 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 no. Just like Peter said to Jesus, no, 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 don't go and die. But Paul had a choice at that moment. Do I go with what I hear the Lord saying? Or do I go with what others are telling me? And those are the other voices. So sometimes the Lord will send you someone who will speak truth. And it will affirm what he's been saying through his other voices. Maybe through the written word. Maybe through a dream. Maybe through his actual voice. But the living voice is confusing because we have this thing called sin in us. And fear. And what's happening here is that people were fearing for Paul. They're fearing for themselves. I mean, really, think about this. Paul had basically taken something that was just a small group of followers and in his short time had expanded it across the Mediterranean. There were no longer thousands, but hundreds of thousands of people who now said, I believe in Jesus and I will proclaim his voice. So your leader is saying, I'm probably going to go here and die and you'll never see me again. And they're saying, no, no, no. Don't go. So this is how I practice when I listen to the Lord. When someone tells me something, whether, and let's just be honest, Agabus, if that would have happened for me, I probably would have said, you're a weirdo. I mean, what are you doing taking my belt? I mean, seriously, binding yourself, I don't want to listen to your message. But the Lord has told me that even if they're a weirdo, you got to pause and go, is this from you? Or is this just because they're a weirdo? Is this from you, even though I don't like what they're saying? Is this from you, Lord? Because if it is, I'm going to look for some confirmation that it is. I'm going to turn to your word. I'm going to see. Now, I'm not telling you that every time you hear something, you should just open up the Bible and hope that the Lord speaks something because I'll tell you that it doesn't always work very well. Sometimes you open up to a passage of Scripture that has no connection and you go, what the heck? Because it's not about magic. It's about the Lord working and you being patient as he speaks. He may not choose to speak or affirm that message through his written word. He may say, you're going to have to wait like for me. You may have to wait for when. He's going to come on Wednesday. He's going to tell you something. Now, I may not know that, but I should be holding on to what I heard and waiting for the Lord to affirm it. When I read something in Scripture and I go, Ooh, this is reminding me of this. I pause, I reflect, and I say, Lord, are you saying that? When I run up and I feel the gut, the hidden voice, tell me, I think you need to do it. I'll tell you that sometimes I don't pause because I don't always trust my gut. So sometimes I just live in the grace. 
and go, I'm just going to do it because if I don't do it now, I will never do it. If he's telling me to stand, I mean, not that I've done this, but if he tells me, probably because it wouldn't be great, but if he tells me to stand up and sing and target praises and it's from my gut, I probably should just do it because I will think of all kinds of excuses why I shouldn't. You don't have a good voice. Jason makes fun of you. There's all these things. Right? So when I listen to the Lord, I have to move through these areas of reflection and identify, is he calling me into a new life with him? Is he calling me to do something that may increase suffering, but through the suffering change my perspective and renew me and make me new? This has given me confidence that the Lord absolutely does speak to me. I want everyone in this room to have confidence that he is speaking to you. That's why we encourage you to read his word daily. So that if you hear a voice, or if your gut is telling you something, or if someone tells you something, you can go to his word and you can go, does this jive with what and who he says he is? Because if it doesn't, that probably isn't from the Lord. But if it does, maybe you need to listen. Remember the definition for lis listening is to act upon what you've heard. I want us to be a church that listens. I don't want us to be a hearing church. I don't want us to just go, oh, amen, amen, amen. And our lives stay stuck. I want us to risk listening. That when we hear something from the Lord, whether it's in Scripture or from someone else, we act upon it. Now, I want a commitment. You ready? You committed to listening this week? Tim, I see it. You have to come back next week, Tim. Don't hold, me, don't hold that against me. Are we committed to listening no matter what? With suffering? Who's ready for suffering? You're not ready for suffering. No one's ready for suffering. But the Lord is with you. Remember, it's a great opening for this message series. Listen. In those times, this is what we do. When suffering is upon us, when we hear the Lord calling us into something that we don't want to do, I want you to turn back to those saints. This is what Paul did to the one message that Jesus died and rose again. He knew this. I want you to turn back to those words that you know about our Father. I will be with you. I cherish you. You are my most prized possession. And if that cannot carry you through listening, Turn back to those words again until you will act upon what you've heard. It's a simple practice today. 
May we exercise it in faith for the one who gave up everything so that we could live with him forever. It's changing you now. The more you listen, the more you'll change. And you will see a difference, not just in those around you, but in yourself as well. May we be people of making a difference as we listen to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time that you've given us. We pray that you would put your spirit upon us, just as you promised. We pray that you would lift our hearts up when we are depressed. We pray that you would remind us of who you are when we forget. We pray that as we get scared, that you would speak words of courage. Lord, may we be reminded that you speaking to us is as simple as us opening up your word. That you speaking to us is as simple as us stopping for one moment to listen to someone who wants to tell us a message. That listening to you, Lord, is as simple as reflecting on what we've heard. That listening to you, Lord, happens or can happen every day. That you want to have a conversation with us all the time. That Paul tells us to pray unceasingly because... You want to talk with us. You want to speak with us. You want to know us and you want us to know you. May we not see you as something that is unknowable, but instead that we'd see you as our Father and that we want to get to know you. Speak to us, Lord, and help us to listen. In your name we pray. Amen. And we pray the prayer that Jesus taught us, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.